May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be always acceptable to you, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. So happy Father's Day to you all, and happy Father's Day to those who have acted as father figures. Um, Special happy Father's Day to my husband, Don. Um, I always got my father a tie for Father's Day. Uh, And each year he would enthusiastically thank me with great love and joy. And I'm sure he didn't need one single one of those ties I got him. But there you have it. Anyway, happy Father's Day. Enjoy your day. So who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Jesus speaks, peace, be still. And the peace came, the wind stilled, and there was a dead calm. An act that profoundly disturbed the disciples. The same disciples who had given up everything to follow Jesus And they knew him well, but found his words of peace very disturbing. Who is this man that even the winds and the seas obey him? And Mark leaves the disciples wondering, who is this man? Who is this man? This is the same Jesus whose words and message God loves all has brought comfort and solace. The good news that his love includes everyone, everywhere, absolutely no exceptions. Jesus' words then and now bring incredible comfort and hope. But the truth of it is that while we find comfort, we also find Jesus very unsettling. He makes us uncomfortable. He challenges us. He challenges our notions of what's right and what's just. He demands that we listen to and be present to those who are marginalized and unheard. Jesus says, let us go across to the other side, and off we go. Going from the familiar and the safe place to the unknown. And I don't know about you, But most of the time, I'd rather stay right here. So the first time I traveled to Haiti to work in a hospital in Port-au-Prince, I was very frightened. I was frightened that I would physically, would not be able to handle it physically or mentally. And I really didn't want to get on that plane and go. What I really, really wanted to do was to get back on that plane and head straight back to Phoenix. So sometimes the hardest thing we do is just to get on that darn boat and deal with the inevitable wind and storms and face whatever is on the other side. Mike Kinman, the dean of Christ Church Cathedral in St. Louis, points out that our journey together is a pilgrimage. And unlike tourism, where we are simply consumers of services and experiences— and mission where we go hopefully to change things for the better. A pilgrimage means that there's a goal for us to be changed, 
And because of this, pilgrimages are always take us outside of our comfort zone. Like the disciples in the boat, we will be taken to places that we may be afraid to go. And it's our choice whether or not we venture out of our comfort zone and face what is unknown and perhaps what frightens us. We look around and we see the injustices in the world. All we need to do is read the newspaper, listen to the news, follow social media. This last Wednesday, nine innocent people were shot and killed while attending church, murdered because of the color of their skin. We weep for the loss of those lives, and we weep for the countless other lives lost to hatred and violence, and we ask God why. We await Supreme Court decisions that will decide issues of equality and health care for our friends and our family. We read reports of increasing violence in Syria and Iraq and other parts of the world, and that those conflicts have led to 60 million refugees on the move in this world. The Dominican Republic, as we speak, is expelling 200,000 people of Haitian descent and sending them back to a country that's already mired in poverty and despair. The list goes on and on. It's endless and overwhelming at times. We just want to hide our heads and ignore the pain and the sadness. Getting in that boat won't always be easier, make our lives easier or better. But if you notice, Jesus doesn't say, you get in the boat. Jesus says, let us get into the boat. We are not alone on this journey. We have a choice. We can follow Jesus, get on that darn boat, and see what's on the other side and work together as a community. We can choose to get in the boat and cross over divisions of racism and sexism and the economic divide between the rich and the poor, the seeds of violence and hatred. Crossing over those divides can raise up storms and danger, but let us cross together, seeking the radical love of the other. Let us cross over together to live into the dream of God that we love one another as we are so very loved. We cannot fix all the injustices in the world. But we are being asked to listen to the needs and concerns of others holding off on easy and glib responses to those concerns that we haven't thought through, or by pointing fingers of blame. The problems of racism, sexism, economic inequality, violence, and the breakdown of civility and mutual human regard resist simple solutions and straightforward actions. As a community, we are being asked to prayerfully consider what part have we played in building a society where ugly rhetoric and violence toward the other races or genders 
has become a regular occurrence, where poverty is labeled as a lifestyle choice and war has become the norm. As a community, we need to prayerfully wrestle with these issues together, engaging in intentional and needed conversation about race, racism, violence, guns, and public policy. Let us pray and really listen and be present to each other, coming together in love and respect for each other, recognizing that we are all beloved children of God, a God who still loves the world and is still in the business of changing the world and us, whether we know it or not. So I started to write this sermon Wednesday night and became aware of the terrible events in Charleston and became quickly overwhelmed with the news of the violence and the death in Charleston. I've struggled to make sense of what has happened, to find hope and comfort for myself and for you. I'm grief-stricken, and I'm enraged, and I simply don't understand that kind of hate, and I don't even know how to speak to it. But you and I, we can take comfort in the knowledge that we are not the first to wrestle with the sadness and suffering in this world, nor will we be the last. And while each one of us has to take this journey, this pilgrimage of life on our own, we do get to have the company of others supporting us and keeping us wrapped in in love, our loved ones, our families, and our Trinity community. Job cries out at God's absence and his silence in the face of suffering, and God answered Job out of the whirlwind. But God doesn't answer the questions of suffering or injustice. Instead, he speaks about creation and the mysteries of the universe and the earth and the heavens and the seas. He talks about the magnificence of and the glory of creation and life. We realize that God has given all of us life and incredible love. It was a risky and dangerous gift. And we don't always use those gifts wisely. We can take comfort in the response of others, the the prayers, the tears, the support, and the love from politicians and clergy, the communities of Charleston, the communities throughout this country, black and white, united in grief and in love. We can take comfort in the solidarity of churches all across our state and in the country coming together in prayer, tolling the church bells ten times, nine for the souls who died, Cynthia, Sharonda, Ethel, Taiwanza, Clemente, Myra, Deepane, Daniel, and Susie. And the tenth for the soul of the young man, blinded by hatred. And we can take a special comfort from the families of those people who died, who are showing us what grace and forgiveness and love really looks like.
we remember that through love, healing is always possible because love never fails. We forget that sometimes, and we let the fears creep in. Nine people senselessly gunned down in their place of worship, and we need to be reminded again and again. I need to be reminded again and again that love always wins, and that love is always, always stronger than hate. In response to this unimaginable tragedy, Bishop Charles von Rosenberg of South Carolina called for prayer, response, and self-examination. He said, In our prayers, may we remember the victims, their families, the community of faith that is Emmanuel, the wider communities of faith in the AME Church, and our society so prone to violence. As paths of response, may we seek and develop avenues of racial conversation and reconciliation. May we refuse to accept things as they are in our world, and may we strive for the vision of peace offered by Jesus himself. In terms of self-examination, may we not neglect our own complicity in the environment of polarization and suspicion and may respond with sincere and profound confession to God who loves us all. The bishop concluded his remarks with this familiar prayer, and it's found on page 833 of the Book of Common Prayer if you want to follow along. Lord, make us instruments of your peace. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is discord, union. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. Grant that we may not so much seek to be consoled as to be consoled, to, as to console. To be understood as to understand. To be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. And it is in pardoning that we are pardoned. And it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen.